So um, over the past few weeks, we've been speaking around um, the, the topic of being radical. And um, we've been looking specifically in the book of Philippians and slowly walking through it. So Carla did two weeks where he spoke about Philippians 1. And then last week we had Martinez that shared about humility in, in Philippians 2. So I'm going to pick up where, where Martinez left off. So the, our core, core scripture this morning is going to be Philippians 2 from verse 12 to verse 16. 15, 16. We'll see. <laughs> so I'm going to read it for us and then we'll continue from there. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So the topic that we're going to be touching on today is the topic of obedience, to obey. So just before we start, I think just to clarify what I mean by that. Um, so if you look at the Old Testament, um, the word that gets used for obey is Shema. And it's the same word that is translated to hear. And so there's this, this concept, and there's a few other, I'm not going to go into that now, but there's a few other things with regards to hearing or taking notice um, or paying attention that's, that's associated with this word Shema. But it's, it's interesting that there's not two separate words for hearing something and actually taking action with regards to it. And so this morning when, when I speak about obedience and as we consider the topic of obedience, there's that both are in that term of hearing and actually it resulting in some sort of action. So if we start off in, in Philippians 2 verse 12, we see Paul writes and he, the word therefore. So just a little Bible study trick, if you see the word therefore, it means that he's, he's building on something that he actually previously shared. So it would be helpful for us just to step back quickly and just consider again some of the things Martinez shared last week. So at the start of, of Philippians 2, we, we see Paul writing about the, the posture that we need to take as one of humility, coming in low. But then he says how Jesus was the ultimate example of this. And we see how from verse 8 that him, he came down in human form as a servant. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And then verse 9, because of this, so therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So this picture of Jesus' radical obedience and the resulting of that, of him being seated on the throne, being exalted, therefore, what is our response to that? Obey. So I've got, a, I've got a friend who's a physio, and she, through some crazy story, ended up being asked by one of the Middle Eastern royal families to be the physio of the prince's shoulder. He dislocated his shoulder. Crazy story how she actually ended up there. 
But it was fascinating just hearing her experience in this different country and the way that they work. So, I mean, usually when we, we travel, we get a feel for how different people are, how different they think. Um, but actually staying in the palace with the royal family, I think she had a very unique experience. So one of the stories that she tells is um, how the, the grandmother, which is like the, the top dog <laughs> in the family, she loves plants and loves the garden and things, but it's obviously Middle East, so it's very deserty. So there's these places that they, they take care of, of gardens, and there's, a, there's like a, a park in, like in, the, in the town where people can go and hang out. So people make their fires there and bring their halal meat and do their thing. So the grandmother says she wants to, to go and show this friend of mine the garden. So they go with the security, like bodyguard security and stuff. They arrive there at this park, which is open for anyone. The security gets out and they walk around saying the royal family is here, everyone needs to leave. No one like fusses, everyone's just like, cool. And they leave. And fire's still going, everything. They cleared out the entire park. Just this friend of mine and, and the grandmother walked for an hour and a half, walked around the park, and then when they were done, got into the car again, they opened it up and, and things just went on as normal. Like, it's crazy for us. I mean, our, our Western culture entitlement, like, who do you think you are? I'm busy Brian you can't expect me to leave. Um, but just in, in this culture, this, this understanding of the authority that's there, it's almost a no-brainer. It's like, because of this, because of this position, because of the authority that this person carries, when it's asked of me, that position of, of coming in low and submitting and going for it. And I think there's something of that that, that Paul tries to communicate to you of, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. So what is our response? It is one of obedience. So I want to just make a few observations from as we move through the scripture. So he says, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, we touch and obey. So now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. It's interesting, one of the, the marks of modern Christianity is probably hypocrisy. <laughs> if you have to ask the everyday person out there. Like the thing that, that oftentimes puts people off the most about religion is people wearing a mask, doing things in one way, and then as soon as they get into the world, they do things in another way. But Paul's encouragement here is, it's like, as you obey my presence, so much more even in my absence. So we, we stayed in Kwazulu Natal for six, seven years. The KZN crowd always jokes, jokes with me because I, I say I'm, I'm from Bloom, but they, <laughs> they make me know that I've, I've got KZN in my blood as well. But while we were staying in, in Kwazulu Natal, my dad was uh, at Duermany at the Dutch Reformed Church there. And I remember some of the stories that, that he would tell even later on about going into a public space and people would be behaving in a certain way and then as soon as they see him coming, there's the, I think he, his words always, chipsy for me, do Like just people's whole attitude change. They get awkward about the fact that they're drinking a beer or that they're standing with a cigarette and they, they're trying with everything in them to just get it out of the way. Because there's this, there's this front that they put up. 
when certain people are around, they behave in a certain way, and then soon, as those people are away, they just carry on with life as normal. And I think it's, it's something that we see more in the Afrikaans culture, it feels to me, than in the English culture. Just, just looking, I've been staying with, with very English guys for the last three years, um, and just seeing the way that their families and stuff operate, it, it does feel that this people-pleasing side almost comes more naturally out of Afrikaans people. Um, where kids would be super naughty and then you're done in here, done in. It's so quick that that switch just takes place. But Paul's encouragement to us, even more in my absence. And I want to ask all of us, what does our devotion and obedience look like? Like, is it consistent? And a, a way to maybe think about it is, if the people that you see around you here had to see you on a Monday, had to see you on a Wednesday, would they be shocked by what they see? On the flip side, if one of your colleagues or one of your classmates or one of the people that stay in res with you ends up coming to church with you or going to come with you, would they be shocked by this other side that they see? Or is this, this thing of obedience a consistent part of your life? Cool, and then we go on. So, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. And if we take up that little um, phrase in the middle, it's therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So, there's this, this connection that Paul makes between obedience and our salvation. We see in Romans 8. Verse 7, how Paul also writes that, that those that are in the flesh cannot please God. It's impossible. Like the desires, everything within them doesn't want to submit under God's word. But then as we come to Jesus, there's this transformation that takes place within our hearts. And on the one side, we are now enabled to obey. And on the other side, our, our desires start changing. And it's no longer just to satisfy ourselves and whatever comes naturally for us, but there's, there's a desire, a heart's change, that, that we want to do God's will. We actually want to obey. And we see this even in, in John 14 and 15, where, where Jesus says, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. And so, where there is this God as the ultimate authority, giving us commandments to obey, there's also the side of, if we love Him, we're going to want to obey. We see Paul saying that we need to work out our salvation of fear, fear and trembling, for it is God who works in us, both to will and to work to His good pleasure. And it's an interesting relationship, just that. It's like, it's like almost this contrasting picture where he says, work out your own salvation of fear and trembling, for it is God that works in you. And it's this, this tension that we, we sometimes struggle with, but I think it's, it's one of those things that are crucial for us in our Christian walk to, to hold both of these. So on the one side, it's easy to just fall into it as, as a thing of me working this thing out. And if we fall completely on this side, it leads to legalism. 
So I need to do, I need to, to work harder, I need to prove myself to God, I need to earn my salvation. And on the flip side, if it's just God needs to work this thing in me, then it's easy to come to licentiousness. So, so the place where I've got license to do whatever I want, because God's going to transform me and it's His responsibility to change me. But it's actually this middle ground that we need to find, that we need to keep. So I work out, God works in. Yeah. And just a, an example, like I was thinking about, is if we say, I want to spend time with the Lord in the mornings, but every morning is a struggle, and I only get out of bed just before work, and I need to rush to work, and I'm like, oh, but I've, I mean, I've been asking God to change my heart, to help me to get up in the mornings, to change my desire to want some more so that I can spend time with Him. Meanwhile, you lying on your phone until quarter to one in the morning, scrolling, 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 and you're not even setting an alarm. And then you're blaming God. Like, no, but if God really wants me to, He would wake me up in the morning and He would give me the desire. Like, no, 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 no. There's both here. There's... I need to be disciplined in actually going to bed on time. I need to set my alarm. And then as I do that, I'm going to trust that God works this desire in me and makes it easier for me to do these things. So that's just a, a, a silly example. But I think when it comes to a lot of other things as well, because it's, it's something actually quite common that we see with people that, that struggle with certain sin. It's like, oh, I really want to stop whatever. I really want to... I really want to stop watching pornography enough. I've been asking God to change my heart with regards to this thing. But there's no action being taken with regards to it. Yeah. I really want to stop drinking. I really want to and treat, treat my family in a certain way. Or be more disciplined in this area. But, you know, God just hasn't changed my heart yet. <laughs> no, 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 no. We work out, God works in. So, like, to make it simple. We need to take control of the things that we can and then trust God that the hearts change and the, the position of our hearts, our attitude, would be the thing that He comes and does. Verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or questioning. And this is, this is really cool for me, just the, the heart's position of obedience is shown like you, you see it by things that say this is it and contrasting it to other things. So grumbling and questioning and some of the other translations it speaks about disputing um, or arguing. It's the opposite of what obedience is supposed to look like. And I was even just thinking um, I've had the opportunity to work with, with kids in different environments over the years and I think parents would experience this even more. But the frustration when you ask someone, especially a kid, to do something, and the whole attitude is like, fine. And there's, like, there's this reluctance, like, oh, I'll do it. It's like, that, that's not really, like, yeah. It's not, it's not really obedience. And on the other side also, imagine every time you ask someone to do something, and then the question is why? Don't you think that this would be a better way? Don't you think I need to rather do this? Have you thought about this situation? It's like, come on, it's simple. I ask you something and you respond. 
So don't do things grumbling and questioning. It says, as we do this, as we obey, as we do this without grumbling and questioning, verse 15, we may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. Our obedience is a mark of us being children of God. God, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, our obedience is a testimony of Jesus to the people around us. I think we, we see this at different stages in our world with God as well. Um, we, we have quite a few people that I know only came to know the Lord like in this last year or two. And some of them with different stories to others. Um, I'm going to pick on Andrew maybe here. So you guys can ask Andrew a bit more about his story. But he's got quite a rough background. And there's a guy who recently... He bumped into at the hospital that grew up with him um, and he just he saw the change that took place in Andrew's life like it was evident just the way that he carried himself and I mean Andrew I'd clip a like this guy it wasn't it wasn't an easy transition like there was some hectic stuff that he had to to actually obey God on and sacrifice of his old life but this was a testimony to this guy it's like, you, you're no longer the same person. It's like, why, why aren't you drinking anymore? Why aren't you smoking anymore? Why aren't you using a certain language or, or handling the opposite sex in a certain way? And then we sort of grow up in God and, and people become more familiar with the new person and they don't realize what you came out of. But even then, our obedience is supposed to be a light to the world. Not keeping up with the Jones, like not just building up our lifestyle, like why, why do we live modestly? It's like you have an income that, that you can live more lavishly, but it's like it baffles me that your life, your, your lifestyle is in a consistent way. And then being able to share like, well, this is why, this, we give money into a certain area or um, just hearing some of the stories that we've had over the last few weeks of, of a young person paying for Warren's trip to go to Russia, of Warren and them being willing to, to sell their car to go on a mission trip. And over the years, just in this congregation, we've actually had quite a few people that have been given cars. It's like, it's just so radically different to the way that the world operates. And Marco was also speak, saying to some friends of theirs yeah, in town, like when they heard that they got gifted with a car, like it doesn't make sense. Like why would someone pay off someone else's car? Like there's, there's something different to this obedience thing that is supposed to be a testimony to the world around us. And it's so contrasting because it says the, the crooked and twisted generation. And so, I think for all of us at least sitting here, there's, a, there's like this understanding of obedience is important. It is something that we need to give ourselves to. I think in, in most cases, we would try at least not to be outright disobedient. But I think for all of us, if, we, if we're honest, it's still a difficult thing. And if we're honest, disobedience creeps in in, in different ways in our lives. 
And so I want to consider, if you have heard my sermon, you'll know that I'll try to bring in alliteration somewhere. So I want to consider um, the four D's around disobedience. <laughs> so the first one, defiance. <laughs> so defiance being going outright against something. And in the case of what we're speaking about, it's going outright against the Word of God. So there's, in like more theological circles, they often speak about sins of commission and sins of omission. So sins of commission is things that I'm actively participating in, and I want to use that in terms of disobedience as well. So an example of this can be Adam and Eve. Here's the garden. Here's everything that you guys can have. But there's this one tree. Like, guys, one tree. Don't eat of this. And what do we see them do? They outright defy God's word and they go and eat that. And I think this happens a lot in our, our own lives in different ways as well. Um, there's certain things that the Bible is very clear on. Don't commit adultery. And yet, we see people constantly falling into this thing. It's directly going against the word of God. Jesus steps up that thing and says, it's not only in the actual physical act of adultery, but if you even look upon a woman lustfully, you're committing adultery in your heart. So to do that is to go against the word of God. And we've got so many different things that the Bible is very clear on, of what we should be doing and should not be doing. But the other side of it is not only like doing bad things, and that's where the sin of omission, omit, like leaving out, there's stuff that God can tell us that we can ignore, that from the outside people might not recognize. It's not as obvious as someone standing, smoking a joint outside here, compared to God calling you to do something and you not stepping into that. And we see that with God saving his people out of Egypt and numerous places like telling them this is promised land, you're going to inherit it. And the spies go in, look at the promised land, and they're scared. And because of the things that they see, they're like, no, 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 we're not going to go in there. And so it's a thing that God has for them and has called them to, but they, they do not actually step into that. And what are the things that we, we actually define God's word in not stepping into? There's, there's some of us that, that feel that prompting to go speak to someone, um, to share Jesus with someone, to pray for someone. But the fear of actually stepping out, the fear of rejection, prevents us from doing that. We're going against God's word. The second E, disappointment. And this is an interesting one for me, but it's, it's something that I think was highlighted just in conversation with quite a few people over this last while. Is where disappointment is not disobedience, but Disappointment can sometimes lead to our heart just hardening towards God um, or just, just not taking really what He says anymore and that then leading to, to disobedience. 
And we see it in the word with, with um, an example like Abraham and Sarah, where God says, look at the stars. <laughs> 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 Thanks, David, to you. <laughs> But there's this, there's this promise that God gives to Abraham about your inheritance. Like, you're going to have children. And years tick by, and years tick by, and years tick by. And then Abraham decides he's going to make his own plan. And he goes to Hagar and ends up having Ishmael. And God rebukes him for that because it wasn't what God intended. And so for us as well, like, just walking with God, the chances are that there's been some expectation that you've had that wasn't exactly met the way that you thought it was. And I think two, two prominent areas, and that's the things that stood out for me over the last few weeks, um, is relationships and with regards to purpose or calling. And we see this often happening. Like people having, having faith or like knowing that God has spoken about a husband or wife and Maybe feeling in God that this is someone that God has for them. Stepping out and then things not working out. And just the, like, the questions and the turmoil and the things around that. Can then lead to the place where it's like, I don't know. I'm just maybe going to do it my way. I'm just going to settle for something lesser than I felt God say. And the same when it comes to, to purpose or calling. Like God is speaking certain things. And just life happening. Circumstances not working out the way that you thought it would. People not accepting you the way that you hoped they would. The doors not opening at the right time. Or doors opening, you stepping in and then things falling flat after that. And then that just leading to a withdrawal. And no longer holding on to the word and the promise of God. And actually leading to the place of disobedience. The third one, distraction. And I think distraction in, in two ways. So I think everyone can relate to this. I was, I was giggling at myself. I was just thinking about it last night. So in, in probably like late junior school or high school, I remember at home so many situations where, where I would be busy enjoying something. Playing guitar, or playing computer games, or watching TV, or whatever, and my parents would shout from somewhere in the house, like, "Quickly come here, or quickly come help with this." And then the the classic answers, "I go no, I'm coming. <laughs> just give me, just give me a little bit longer. I'm coming now." Or the parents, my, my parents actually coming into the room while I'm busy with something, and they learn to the stage that I need to stop and look at them. Telling me what I need to do. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll do it just now. And then sort of go on with whatever I'm busy with. And then an hour goes by, two hours goes by. And it just leaves your mind. <laughs> it's, not like this, it's not like I had this malicious intent to disobey my parents. I mean, I, I was just doing my thing. I, I genuinely forgot about it. But it's still disobedience. It's still not responding to what was asked of us. And I think just for us and the things that, that God calls and speaks to us about, um, and something that, that I'm sometimes concerned about for myself even is on a Sunday, we've got 
prophetic words coming out. Like, let's just think about this. God speaking to his people. God calling his people to respond to certain things. We have the word being preached. God's eternal truth being presented to us. And then there's that thing of like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll deal with it later this week. And then not even like a week later, like Sunday afternoon comes and it's already gone again. And I really want to call us just to, to that urgency again of, of the weight of God's word and the weight of responding to God's word. And the second part for me of, of distraction um, can maybe be best explained. So in our, in our workspace, and so I'm, I'm involved in some software development and um, there's sometimes things that you just need to really focus in. And, and so noises and people asking you to, to help them with something gets distracting. So I've got this headset there that I put on. Um, and like my colleagues know, if I've got my headset on, <laughs> don't disrupt me. Like, let me do my thing. But sometimes I'll get so in the zone, like I'll have music playing or whatever. And it blocks out all the other noises. And then I'll look up at a stage and everyone is looking at me laughing because they've been trying to get my attention for quite some time. But it's just the, both the sound and the visual stimulation in front of me is so overwhelming that what normally people would hear, they just become silent. And a few weeks ago, Kala preached uh, the parable of the sower where it speaks about the cares of this world that comes in chokes the life of God and chokes the word of God. And I think for all of us, there's definitely going to be things that we're confronted with on a daily basis that becomes those earphones for us. It becomes the primary thing that we hear. It's a thing that we give our attention to. It's a thing that we focus on. And God's voice And it's not that God's no longer speaking. But it's that we're not, no longer being willing to hear. And the last one, and I think this is the most subtle um, of all of them, is disguised disobedience. And I'm going to read a... Or, speak in a portion of, of 1 Samuel that I think best illustrates this. So, in 1 Samuel 15, it's at the stage in the story where we have Saul as king that, that God has acknowledged and, and Samuel has prayed him in as king. And there's this thing where God very clearly speaks about how things should be done. And so they get to a situation where there's going to be a battle and the Lord says, go in, he's going to give him victory, but he needs to wipe out everything. Like, all the animals need to be killed, the places need to be plundered, the, the people need to be put to death. Like, that's the, the way that God wants to handle the situation. So they go into battle, and God gives them victory. But they think, like, they've got a good idea. They're going to take the king captive and bring him back to their, their hometown. And they're also going to kill all the, like, all the animals except the best oxen and the best sheep so that they can go and offer that to God 
when they get back. And so we see certain things happen. We see God speaking to Samuel and making it known to him beforehand. And there's this, there's this awkward encounter on the way back from the battlefield where the people are rejoicing and they, they're happy for the things that has just happened. You see Saul being ecstatic about what has happened. And Samuel approaches and there's, there's like running excitement. It's like, yo, you should have seen what has happened. God gave us these people. Um, and we obeyed the word of God. And Samuel's like, but what's the, what's that that I hear in the background? Like, I hear an ox and I, I hear some sheep. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. We, we kept this so that we could sacrifice this to God. And then there's this portion where in 1 Samuel 15 verse 22, where Samuel then goes and rebukes Saul. And he says, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. And so what I mean when I say disguised disobedience, it's those things that God asks us to do and we sort of do it. Like we, we, we take the steps that, at least from the outside, it would look noble. It would look like we're following through. But in fact, we're not following the Word of God. And something that, that's often the case with, with people that just start following Jesus is, is that first call of abandon your life. Like your friends are a bad influence over you. You need, you need to get out there. And so the, the classic response is like, um, yeah, I'm going to shine my light. I'm going to have an influence over them. Or for other people, it might be something with regards to your career of God calling you out of a certain place or God calling you to a different, different place or to give something up. And your reasoning is, but if I stay in this area with the money that I get, I'm able to be a bigger blessing to other people and I, I can give more to the church. And my, me working actually helps fund the work of the church. It helps fund ministry. So I'm actually living out the purposes of God. But as Samuel says, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices. You're giving... Out of a place of disobedience does not mean anything to the Lord. His delight is in obeying His voice. To obey is better than sacrifice. And so going back to Philippians 2, interesting words that, that Paul uses that, that's actually quite uncomfortable if we're honest is working this thing out with fear and trembling. We, we're very, very comfortable with the, the jumping up and down, the yes, Jesus loves me. But at the same time, with that, there's this reverence, there's this, there's this godly fear around the Word of God, the urgency of the Word of God, the importance and the weight the Word of God. 
And I want to ask us if, if we can maybe just stand. Everyone can stand, please. When we look at the Old Testament to the people as they were, were going through the desert, we see a number of times where, where God's word to them is today, if you hear the word of the Lord, don't harden your heart. And we, we see that repeated in, in the letter of Hebrews as well, where, where he takes on that exact, um, that exact phrase, today if you hear the word of the, the Lord, don't harden your heart, as in the rebellion, referring to the things that has happened. Uh, and he, he says in that same portion that, that these guys were unable to enter into the things that God has for them because of their disobedience. And the thing, interesting thing just with disobedience and the, that hardening of the heart is as we disobey, we get harder and harder and harder. And it's, it's more of a struggle to actually hear God. But we see at the same time this God of mercy, this God we see earlier in Philippians 2, who died on a cross to take the punishment of what we deserved for our disobedience and gives us the opportunity to, to have that restored and come back to the place of a soft heart, being a moldable people for Him to use. And so I want all of us to just close our eyes. And I first want to ask, that if there's anyone here that, that you know you haven't really obeyed God, that there hasn't been a point in your life where you've actually submitted under God to follow God in His ways, that you're in that place that Romans 8 speaks about, that it's, you almost find it impossible to do the will of God, and that's because it is. <laughs> it's only possible as God comes in and changes your heart. And I want to give you an invitation this morning for the Lord to come and touch you, for the Lord to come and change your heart. So if that is you, I, I want to ask that you please just raise your hand and there will be one of the leaders that, that will just come and pray with you while we go on. I'm not going to call you to the front and shame you, but if, if that is you, please just raise your hand. For the rest of us, I, I touched on a lot of different things. Um, and the, the wonderful thing with the Holy Spirit is he'll, he'll come and poke in those areas that are relevant. Now I want to ask you that whatever it is that the Lord put His finger on, whether it's a specific situation that you know you've been disobedient in, or whether it's the overall heart's attitude that you've had with these different areas of outright being defined to the Word of God, of distracting yourself with other things, of delaying where disappointment has crept in and has resulted in you just lowering your standards. Where you've been the one that has disguised your disobedience and sacrifice. Today, if you hear the word of the Lord, don't harden your heart. This isn't something that someone else is going to be able to do for you. So, I want us to take a moment and just bring that before God, to, to ask Him for forgiveness.
And so just in you also make that commitment that as we sang, I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to obey. I've decided to give my life. So in your own words, in whatever way, just respond to, respond to that. Oh Lord, so many times in the, in the Old Testament we see how you speak about your people as, as stiff-necked and stubborn. God, I, I pray that that will never be said of us. Lord, that you would never say that of us. God, it's so easy to, to deceive ourselves. It's so easy to, to deceive the people around us and to make it seem as if we, we're ticking the, these boxes. But God... I pray that you will find soft hearts, Lord, people that are, are willing to respond to whatever it is that you lead us into. We want to say sorry, Lord, where, where we've just lowered the, the weight and the, the standard of, of your word. God, come and restore to us that reverence, come restore to us that awe and that, that healthy fear of you. May your word carry such weight among us as a people. Oh, Holy Spirit, and I pray even now, just where sin has, has caused us to harden ourselves, where um, continual disobedience has, has caused us to miss out on the things that you have for us. But we want to bring our hearts before you. And we want to say thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you that you are able to take the hardest of hearts and and turn that around, God. Lord, and I, I pray that it, it won't just be in, in word, but in deed, Lord. And that we won't just go about this, as you see in Ephesians, as um, eye service, just doing the things that look right. Oh God, we're the people that run fully into the will of God, that you would set us forth into so much more as we obey you, God. I, I pray, Lord, in the day-to-day -day that, that you would just come and make us sensitive to your leading, that, that we would hear, God, in the midst of all the noise around us, that we would become aware of when it is that you are speaking, Lord. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you enable us to respond and to walk that out. We thank you, Lord, for your involvement in our lives. We love you, God. We love you, God. Amen. I, I really just think also like this the whole thing that I shared of putting things at the back of the mind I'll deal with this later and then forgetting about this yeah. like let's make this thing really practical yeah. if there's things that you need to deal with as we go out here let's deal with them the, during worship the, the word came out about unforgiveness it's the second week in a row that a word came out about unforgiveness <laughs> like I, I think God's really putting his finger on this thing we see in the Bible how God actually says if you're busy in the act of bringing a sacrifice and you know that there's something against the brother, leave everything and go reconcile with your brother. If there's an area of unforgiveness, if there's anything between you and someone else, we're going to finish up now. Use the time to get to the person. Amen. <laughs>